0: love bombing yep manipulation check
1: gaslighting
2: uh-huh
1: Wow I guess we really weren't the only ones
2: you
0: got
1: that right welcome to the
0: X-files a new spin-off of ex-wives undercover now we're sharing
1: your stories of love gone wrong sometimes we laugh sometimes we cry but more importantly we, we stand, stand together. Y- y- y-
0: This podcast includes discussion around sex addiction, domestic violence, stalking, physical violence, and suicide. Please acknowledge that this content may be difficult. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome back. I'm Amber. And I'm Athena. All right, girl. You ready to do this? Let's do it. Season 4, Episode 7, Strength in Numbers. Nearly four years later, it still hurts, parts of it. I'm older, stronger, and wiser. But in the last year, I had to get on anxiety medication and antidepressants to help me deal with everything that has happened. I look back and I feel like I should have never taken him back. I should have told him to have her and vice versa. But I had too much pride at the time. There's been few questionable moments for the last four years, but more than anything, he's still verbally abusive, a narcissist, a manipulator, just like he's always been. My daughter is now almost five, and I never want her to think it's okay to put up with shit from a man. You are enough, and you have so much worth. I finally got to my breaking point just earlier this year, and I told him, fuck you. He was back to making it look like he doesn't have me or a family on Facebook, and I felt like I just really couldn't live like this any longer. I knew that I deserve to be happy, and I want to be happy. I have so much to offer someone. I work full-time, I'm a good mom, I cook, I clean, I balance so much. What am I waiting for? We only get one chance at this life. Sadie, first off, thank you, thank you from the bottom of both Amber and my heart for being so vulnerable, for sharing your story, the heartache, the heartbreak. This is our last episode with you, and we like to take that time to pick up where we left off, where the story ended with Justin. It's early July, and we are continuing to record with you, really getting to know you We've all become a big part of each other's lives because we do spend a couple hours, handful mm-hmm. of hours a week, digging deep into these painful subjects. And so the night of July 7th, Amber and I received a text from you late night and an image, your right brow split open, your lip split, swollen, and both of our hearts sank. It was so scary. Amber and I were just talking about this right before you jumped on with us. And she goes, remember Athena, you were like, Amber, should we just jump on a plane and fly down there? And Amber goes, what are we gonna do, go beat him up? <laughs> I know, I was like,
1: Athena, I-, I don't know what to do. I wanna fucking put Tiger on his ass. But I mean, the photo, you guys, I it, it was it's awful. It's blood everywhere, all over her face. It's puffy, it's nothing that I or Athena was expecting. I don't think we quite understood that you guys were living together still when we started recording the podcast. And so this is like a whole like new area for us that we kind of all went on a journey together. I just remember you crying and being out in the parking lot and asking us what to do. And so we were trying our best to be supportive and help guide you in that moment. Before we
0: jump into the details of what happened over this past 4th of July weekend, let's talk about when Sadie knew 100% that she was done and things were officially over with Justin. So Amber and I are curious, how did you come across our podcast?
3: TikTok, <laughs> I I don't remember which one of you was that had a video, but I started listening to it and you guys were telling this story and I was like, Gosh, this guy sounds like a piece of shit. He sounds familiar. And I went through for probably an hour and started reading and watching. And I was like, I got to find this podcast. I got to listen to it. Being that it was, it felt so close to home. I was like, I got to listen to this. And I was on repeat after that. That was it. I was so hooked.
1: Now at this time, had you pulled the plug on the relationship when you discovered the podcast, were you kind of freshly like, here I go, I'm done or did you have a little bit longer and then maybe something big happened or not that you decided it's over?
3: Well, I had already decided it was over. He came home mid-February one night with our son and said, I'm moving out and he's coming with me and we'll be gone in a week. I went, okay, and I was already in bed, said, okay. And I rolled over and went to sleep. It didn't hurt me. And I knew when he said he was gonna have our son that he figured that would be a trigger for me. But I also knew like, we'll cross that bridge when we get there and we'll let you think that for now. I was kind of emotional for a few days And about two weeks later, right into March, it was like, all of a sudden, here we go. This is it. I'm not turning back. I don't care what he says. I am going with this. I'm going to make him put his money where his mouth is for the first time ever, because I'm sure he'll change his mind. But there's no going back now. Before you know it, I was trading in my vehicle to get something else so I could free up money because I knew I was going to be responsible for everything in our home. If he was really moving out, like he said, and it seemed like it was really going that way. He kept telling me, oh, it would just be a few more weeks. They're doing this. They're doing that. I'm like, okay. But lo and behold, it was like, as soon as he saw, I was okay and wasn't emotional and hurting Then he wanted to come back in. And I was so firm and strong that it's like, nope, we're done, we're done, we're done. Then here comes all the manipulation and here comes the bullshit. Well, then you need to move out. If you don't want this, then you need to move out. You don't want our family. No, sir, you asked for this. This is what you wanted. I'm giving you what you wanted. Nara, For the next four months, We were coexisting in the same house. Sometimes he would take our bedroom, sometimes i take the bedroom. I would try to be cordial in front of the kids. There were still things we would do with the kids, but I was checked out and he was trying everything in his power to get me back. It was flowers, my favorite wine, gifts, the whining and dining that you hear of. And he would try to be so nice and tell me everything I wanted to hear. But as soon as I wasn't going for it, what was happening? You know, then I was awful, then I'm cold-hearted, then I'm a bitch. And that solidified everything even more because he was proving my point of who he really is. You just should have kept your mouth shut, buddy. You might have
0: extended your time with me a smidge longer, but nope.
3: There's nothing about him I liked. He was so repulsive and I remember a friend had said to me, and she's always been a person that was never going to tell me to leave him, she was never going to tell me to stay with him, but she believed in family. And she says, there's one thing that someone always told me, if you could picture him with somebody else and it does not bother you, you know it's time to go. And I told her, I said, if I found out he was with somebody tomorrow, it would be a relief to me. It's like take him and go,
1: don't bring him back. It no longer bothered me. It's also really interesting to me because there's definitely something to be said with a mindset because those things that he would say and do used to work in the past, but there's something about when you shift your thought process or just when you're at the end of your rope, like for sure. And you've just made like, nothing that they could say or do is going to make you change your mind and so the thing is is no one can get you to that place but yourself i always tell people that like you you might be on the outside looking in but you have to let that person figure it out on their own because eventually that it's going to click in their brain but just like you said like that hoovering and all that stuff that he was doing all of a sudden one day it just doesn't mean shit, and you can kind of see through Mm -hmm. yes well I- said. I love that. And not to much in the
0: fact, Sadie, when you said one day you just were looking at him and you're no attraction, I remember that moment. And I remember Amber having that moment finally when I just wanted to shake her. And that's, that's a really good thing. Because once you get there, I think you are on the right path now. Mm-hmm. Like
3: I could see definitely see you never going back anymore. And it's just like what Amber was saying. I remember so many times my mom or other people would go, you'll know when you're done. And there were multiple times through the years, I'm like, no, I'm done with him. I'm done with him. But I knew in my heart, there was a part of me as fucked up as it sounds that I almost wanted him to beg me to come back or to fix it because it made you feel like you were wanted or maybe he does love me. And this time it was like, please don't, please don't beg for me, just let me be. And it was the best feeling to feel so strong against somebody like that. I was so proud of myself for really standing up for myself and standing firm in what I believed and what I knew I wanted and what I knew I deserved at this point in life. You know, the I've always heard how much you grow through your 20s and into your 30s and now at 35, it's like, Hell no, I would never put up with the same shit I put up with at 22 or 35, or at 25, even 30. You know, when I had my daughter, when we had our daughter, my perspective on so much is different. That it's like there's no fucking way for one minute I would ever, ever tolerate anything like that ever again.
0: Amber and I know very well how scary and challenging it is to leave a toxic relationship. Therefore, we decided to ask the detective for a few pointers and a bit more information on the subject matter.
1: Statistics show that the most dangerous time in an abusive relationship is after you break up with them. And that women are 70 times more likely to be killed in the weeks after leaving their abuser. So while getting a restraining order, you know, can help the fact of it is that there's so many police officers and they can't be there in every single situation or time when you need them. So can you help us talk to our listeners about creating a safety plan or any other things that they can do to help kind of protect themselves moving forward? Yeah. Um, So safety plans are very, very important.
4: And this is the time where a lot of people are embarrassed because of the type of situation that they've been in and they don't wanna say something to family or friends. But this is kind of the time to swallow your pride and really accept help from other people. And, you know, I've, I've even told people, go as far as change some of your habits, change the way you go home from work, you know, go to a different grocery store So that way you kind of disrupt your everyday pattern and you're less likely to run into this person and, um, let your family and friends know what's going on. Um, people have trackers on their phones. I mean, let your girlfriends track your phone where you are, you know, just have an extra safety net. So that way, if something does happen, somebody is likely to catch it, you know, have come up with a word, anything to let your friends know if something's wrong, people will be checking in on you. And it's really, really important to be honest about what is happening. Now you don't have to tell everybody. I know that some people are very, very private, but if you are in a really dangerous situation, it's really important that some people know what's going on and inform your employer and hope that you have Somebody like a boss who is understanding and willing to work with you. And if you don't, then that may be not a great place to work. You know, there's, there's, unfortunately, these situations are super disruptive to people and their lives, but in order to get away, you're going to have to commit to changing your life. And that's just kind of the reality.
0: Yeah and putting your pride aside and I do want mm-hmm. our listeners to know even with the death of my sister she was very proud and that's how I know how scared she was at the end because yeah. she set aside her pride and she told a couple of friends that if anything is to happen to me I did not take my own life and it's it was her new husband she had just married and she had gotten really close with a couple of her clients Um, That she saw on a regular basis. And even though she was embarrassed. She told them too. Because it got to that point. But if she had not done those things. They would have had no case. Whatsoever. Because she hid it from her immediate family. Because she was too embarrassed. Mm. So everything you said. it, it, It just. It's so smart. And it's so important. That you do create that safety plan. Even if you just tell one person. Just one person that therefore, if anything wants to happen to you, they could come forward and yeah. say something. So
4: Yeah. And I guess I will say, you know, I I do recognize that getting out of that situation is really difficult. And it really, really sucks that you know, you're dealing with somebody who's abusing you and that now you have to completely disrupt your life because of this person's actions, right? So It is a really, really hard pill to swallow. It is. uh, Yeah. And hopefully people in your life are understanding of that.
3: Listening to the podcast, it was all like an extra push to truly stay firm and not get comfortable again where you end up falling back into it. Because like you both know, it's easy to fall back into the same bullshit when you're used to things being a certain way and it would have been easy for me since I was being cordial and kind for the sake of our kids, it would have been very easy to fall back into it and go, okay, I'll just make this work for the time being. And then, you know, I'll find a place and just slip out one day. It would have been easy just to play nice and act like things were fine. But there was something about the podcast. It's like these, I don't even feel right calling them men. Cause I don't think they're men. These jackasses. <laughs> are that bad they really are this bad and you cannot give them the benefit of the doubt because if you think they're doing something they're doing that and times 10 and it's that much worse than what you could even imagine so all in all it was really just a push to stay firm all of it resonated so much that no this really is done this is so done the whole thing was inspiring to me and it was like i don't think you two realize what an impact you have on people you two saved me in so many ways
1: oh i think (laughs) that's so sweet of you thank you i i feel like we we didn't go in with a very solid plan we just started kind of laying it all out there good bad and ugly and you know i could Definitely look back going, wow, I just exposed some of my not great qualities to the whole entire world. (laughs) But at the same time, being vulnerable and raw like that, people want to see that. Like, just like your story, we kind of got in there and told some stuff that I'm sure we don't want to tell to the world. But at the same time, by you sharing that, someone's going to relate to it. Oh, yeah. And there's even
3: things that, weren't shared that were left out that I thought about. But I'm like, gosh, there are still so many ugly parts of him and ugly situations. Like I said, when they threaten you and you're like going to give them the benefit of the doubt, like someone's like, oh, they're just talking crazy. They're not really going to do that. And they're like, mm, I don't know if you know what you're messing with. Um No, they will do this. And there are, there are so many ugly parts of your life that are embarrassing Times you feel crazy, they you know. Times you question yourself, and you look back, and there's times you feel like your life was just
1: a complete chaotic hot mess. And like we both said too, there's this element of pride and your mm-hmm. ego that comes into play. You don't want people to know that you're a failure and that your life isn't perfect. And so by sharing it with people, it kind of puts you in a vulnerable place. But again, people are gonna relate to that because. They're privately probably going through something similar. I know there is because we get texts and emails all the time about it. Now you've reached out. You've been cordially living together, but clearly separated. And Justin knew that. However, he started getting really jealous and suspicious.
3: Every day. I was being questioned who I was texting, who's on my Facebook, who's on my Snapchat. If I posted any kind of picture of just myself, I'm thirsty. I'm looking for guys to message me. And it was so funny and ironic to me because it's like, hmm, my how the tables have turned. When I questioned you, I was this petty, childish bitch that needed to grow up and now all of a sudden you feel like something is going on and when would anything happen being that i have our four-year-old daughter all the time and i work full-time like where would i find the time for this but i don't know if he really sensed how dumb i was or if it was his own guilty conscience and projection onto me but It was definitely hype. He said something about having somebody come and put up cameras. And I said, what do you need to put up cameras for? He's like, well, I heard people are breaking into a lot of stuff around here. We live out in the country. I hadn't heard anything like that at all. And he would have said something to me when it started coming up more. And he goes, well, what what are you worried about? What are you doing when I'm not here? That right there, I thought about that a lot the last few weeks. It's like, I really think that that's why he was doing up cameras. He really thought I had somebody else. The more and more I thought about it, I was like, this is turning into the same situation as my mom and dad. Because as soon as my dad knew he was losing grip of my mom and she, the more she was slipping away the more he wanted her and the more obsessive he got. And that's almost how I felt around here with him. So actually the weekend over the 4th of July, he was gone with our son. And I remember while they were gone that weekend, um, I was working on a project, my kids' bathroom, remodeling their bathroom, doing my little Joanna Gaines moment and there was a side of me that got really sad and it wasn't that i wanted him but there was always something about the fourth of july weekend that would bring up a, a sadness to me and i think it's because that's you know that time that him and my, our son were gone and when i found out about the affair and then being i was at this point now where it's like here we are four years later, we've come like full circle and it's done. And there was just a sadness. There were so many things at the same time that felt so parallel to a few years ago. I remember like literally crying and praying out loud and I just said, God, like help this chapter to close and whatever you have to do to help me close this chapter. Just do it. Even if I have to be the one that ends up moving out even if it has to be something smaller than I want or need right now, just guide me. So they get back the next day and um, on the 4th of July and that Tuesday he was being extremely nice to me and it was strange and come to find out that night he went through my phone when I was asleep. Let me go back. He got me extremely drunk because he knew if I drank enough, he'd probably get sex out of me still. Not proud of it, but that's that just kind of tells you where things were with us, that that's what it had to be. And usually the next day after that, I would wake up and really wouldn't remember much because that's how much I would drink. Um, so he woke me up at 30, one o'clock in the morning and was calling me all these names and accusing me of having an affair I knew I did not want to be with him I knew I was looking for a place still hoping he would end up leaving our house but I knew I was looking for a place to go um and so then actually Wednesday came around and he was playing this victim card of I knew you have been cheating on me. That's why you've been the way you are. I knew you were having an affair. And it was the worst form of manipulation I'd ever seen. And there wasn't a part of me that felt bad. I, I got pleasure out of it as bad as that sounds because it was like now for a moment, you have a glimpse into what you've done to me. Imagine feeling how you feel times a thousand. You did this to me. I have not done anything physical with anybody. There was nothing like that. But yet you always downplayed my feelings in what your affair did to me. They got home and I was sitting on the couch watching TV and he made a sarcastic comment to me. And I went, okay, not gonna deal with him so I went into my room and I closed the door and turned on the TV and I'm sitting in bed watching TV
2: and he kept coming in and out
3: of my room still like picking, wanting to go wanting to go and I was not playing into it and so I text my mom, I'm like he's acting crazy, he's telling me I need to leave on Saturday that he's having some girls over for a barbecue and I said all I could do is laugh and it seemed like The more I did not play into his crap, the angrier he got. He walks back in yelling and screaming at me, asking if I am talking to that guy from a few days ago. And I said, no, I'm texting my mom. Well, I just sent him a message on Facebook because I know you're fucking him. And he blocked me. And I said, well, that has nothing to do with me talking to him, if anyone is going to approach somebody and be crazy, I think that's the first thing they're going to do is block somebody. And so at that point he jumped on me, he spit in my face, calling me names. And then my daughter had um, a little plastic cup of water on our bed and he threw it in my face. And then my big Yeti tumbler, 32 ounce heavy stainless steel full of water, threw it at me and that busted me in the mouth and that's what split my lips open. And I really thought I lost a tooth at first because it hit me so hard and my mouth was just throbbing instantly. And I started crying. I said, please stop, please stop. And I grabbed my mouth and I could see all the blood. And he comes back in from our kitchen and has the big brittle water cooler that slides into the refrigerator. That's like a big, long rectangle. that a water out of, and throws it at me. So now I'm drenched in more water and it splits open my forehead right above my right eyebrow. And I'm begging for him to stop. I'm screaming and crying. I could feel a goose egg pop up right away. Now luckily our four-year-old daughter was asleep and sleeping through everything with her bedroom door closed. And our son was in his room. And at that point I hollered out for him because I figured at this point if he's out there he's not going to do anything else he's not going to put his hands on me he's not going to do anything else with our son standing there and so he sees me and sees the blood and he's begging his dad dad stop look at her and all he kept saying is i didn't do anything i didn't put my hands on her i didn't put my hands on her and he's freaked out because he sees the blood dripping everywhere i have blood dripping from my lip from my eye and anyone knows a head injury you are gushing with blood so I go into our bathroom and I cannot believe this sight I was mortified I was crying I looked at myself and I said again he fucking did this to me again I grabbed my purse and I ran to the back door I was like shit I have no shoes and I hollered out my son he brought me some sandals and I got out and It was all I could do to get out. I was shaking, I was crying, my face was throbbing. And I got down the street and I went, okay, before I get any, I'm far enough away right now, but before I get any further, let me take a picture of what I look like. And I could not believe when I took that picture. My mom called and she was crying and I could hear her voice shaking. And the same, she's like, where are you like she just panicked she couldn't talk so i'm finally in a parking lot and i'm safe and i'm wide open in this parking lot and i'm thinking okay where can i go right now i don't really have any friends here definitely don't have any family and i sent the picture to you too and you guys said call the police you have to do something and it was at that moment that i was like they're right i have to I'm going to get my fucking power back. 10 years ago when he could have killed me, I should have called the police and something should have been done. And I'm going to do something about it now. Get on the phone with the police. They tell me where to meet them. And um, they sent EMS as well because I told them about my head and sure enough, EMS checked me out and they're like, yeah, I think you're going to need stitches in your eyebrow without a doubt. Your lip, you might need stitches as well. They made sure, the sheriff's made sure that my house was fine and it was safe. He did have my daughter. And um, so they followed me over to the emergency room. And I get there and they start, you know, taking pictures of me. And asking all those questions. Do you want to press charges? Do you want the protection, the protective order, the emergency protective order? All of this. And it was like, yes, without a doubt. And I said, what happens with the protection order? They said, he can't come back to your house. He cannot live there. And I said, perfect. They went to get him and they called me to let me know they had arrested him and he was on his way to the county jail. And in that moment, it was that moment like my mom had that day. It's like, I'm free. I'm finally free. But yet it was so sad to me because I was soon in a hospital room. They did a CT scan of my neck and head because they were worried about some other damages. They were worried about a concussion. I'm waiting for them to stitch my eye. I'm still not sure about my mouth. It's like I'm free, but at what cost? And why does it have to be this hard to leave someone?
0: Just know that I'm so, so proud of you. And I'm so impressed by your strength and your courage. Um, You've been victimized for so many years to be able to do it. It's very rare, actually. And you did it for yourself. You did it for your children. And now hundreds of thousands of people are going to hear your story and you're going
3: to encourage them Knowing that somebody was sitting in jail who to tore you apart for 13 years and literally tore me apart, physically, mentally, emotionally, that I was packing all of this stuff. I was packing it and saying everything by the back door. And it felt so good. It was the best feeling in the world because there's times I glance in the mirror and I,
2: not today, motherfucker. Like, you did not win this time. You can't accept that they're done now because she had said so many times, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. She said, I've been telling them since February. I said, Yes, but you have, because of Finances or whatever, trying to find a place, you're still there. And he doesn't know done is done because done has not ever been done. Well said. And it's so true. And when she
0: was talking to us about the current situation, I thought the same thing you just said. Like, he isn't buying it. He doesn't believe she's done after Mm -mm. this many years. And she's never officially been done after all the horrible things,
2: the traumatic abuse. But she's holding strong. She is. And you guys have helped her a lot, you ladies. She's like, I don't know what I've done with not talking to them that night. They gave me the strength to finally make that call because she had called the police before and she's the one who went to jail because she wouldn't shut up. She wanted to be heard.
1: (laughs) Yes. that happened
2: to me too. I got kicked out of my own house.
1: I was like, wait, I called the police. What's going on here?
2: She's known for a long time that this isn't what she's wanted, but felt stuck. And that was just what finally pushed it over the edge, and it worked in her favor, and that she ended up being able to keep the house and not having to come up with finances. Because I said, I'll help you. I don't have a lot of money myself, but I'll help you do what I can to get into a place. But I guess she just wasn't, she was scared to fight the fight with him, because he's very convincing and strong and I think she's fearful about some things now but he's a big bluffer because he don't have nothing it's kind of like what I was thinking yesterday listening to your I'm just on like I say on the first episode probably I mean the first season probably towards the end of the first season when you said you didn't know the information about Opal but you acted like you knew everything so you have X amount of time to tell me the truth and then they spill yep because yeah. I think you know it. I know. They, <laughs> you know. they think they're so smart, but uh, you learn how to play the player eventually. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's what she's learning now.
0: Yes. Is yes. how to
2: play the player. And I said, just do it. T- just I said, just do it silently. You don't need to threaten them. You don't need to tell them what you know. Just go in on a sneak attack. This is what I have. Just put it in your file and take that's it right. in. This that's is right. what I have.
0: Document it all. I told her, be careful what you put into text because he'll use it against you, but save everything that you get from him because that's what it comes down to, what they can you know, really see and look at, like the supporting evidence in court. So fingers crossed, she can control her feistiness. Yeah, she is feisty. She is feisty thing. <laughs> that's probably
3: what's kept her going. Yes, exactly. As much shame as I thought I would feel with all of this, I feel empowered because our county post all of their mugshots on Facebook. And there is an awful lot of people that follow the county website to see the mugshots. So you can imagine how many people I heard from that saw that mugshot. And at first I really thought I was gonna be embarrassed and ashamed, but more than anything, it's like, you know what? Hell no. Now I am going to let everybody know what he is. I know there's quite a few people he fools and he still is fooling, but there's a lot of people that have seen through his bullshit. If you think being married to a narcissist is bad, try leaving one. And, oh, if that's not the truth. And the worst part is, I mean, it's good and bad. Thank God I was not married to him, legally. Thank God I don't have to deal with the divorce portion. But spending 13 years with somebody like this and then getting away from it is the worst thing imaginable. And then having to worry about, I felt protected in this time because of my protection order, but now there's gonna be a lapse in it with the emergency protective order before the actual one gets put in place. So it's putting up security cameras outside and it's changing locks and doing all these things and then being worried about when I'm in California visiting family in a few weeks what he will actually do you don't know like you don't know how crazy these men can be and what depths they will go through go to to make your life a living
1: hell and that's the scary part can you talk about the process of getting a restraining order because that was kind of mm-hmm. an eye-opening experience that I think yeah, listeners I've- should
0: I've heard that it's really hard to navigate that in Texas specifically. Like you have to jump through burning (laughs) flame, throwing hoops or something just to be able to get something minimal. So
3: the night that everything happened, they asked me if I wanted an emergency protective order. And of course I did. Now the difference between a protective order and a restraining order, and I don't know if it's like this everywhere or just in Texas, but with my County specifically with the, Protection order, the protection order protects properties, but it doesn't protect me. Like him and I could still be around each other. Whereas a restraining order, he has to stay a certain distance away from me. With the protection order, he has to stay 500 feet away from my house. He can't um, pick up my daughter from daycare or when school starts, he won't be able to pick up my son from school. So it protects properties the restraining order, it would protect me and the kids, more or less, our actual bodies. So they told me that night that it would be for 91 days. And I was thinking, great, that's three months. I'm gonna have this protective order in place. Well, here in Texas, it's not like some other states are counting. It's the only other state I can think of and go off of is California. California you might not see the judge the next day it might be a couple of days before you go see the judge in Texas they have a judge a magistrate that comes every morning and she hears their case sets their bond and then in this case she serves the EPO and determines if it should be 31 days 61 days or 91 days well apparently from what I was told, since she only did it for 31 days, that she did not have all of the details of what happened. She did not have the details of the stitches. She did not have the details of what happened at the hospital, everything I went through. So that's why she only said it for 31 days and did not make it longer. I felt very failed by the system at this point, actually. So about two weeks into the process, I got a call from my county and it was like this whole victim's unit department. And they asked me if I wanted to extend the protection order and all of that. Of course I wanted to. They did clarify and tell me my county specifically does not, the DA's office does not handle it. They said every single county in Texas does it differently. My county here, they send them over to the women's center and the women's center handles it so i had to do a whole intake last week with the county with the women's center and then she takes all of my information and she sends it over to an attorney and then i have to meet with this attorney and they handle the protection order they handle the judgment file everything with the county to have him serve to do all of that stuff this whole process is about four weeks long they should actually handle this stuff to be honest with you like the day they do the emergency protective order. They should contact, they should reach out to you to, ha- if, to see if you want to get an actual protection order since this process does take so long. When you really feel like that's the only thing keeping you in place and then your days away from it expiring and what will you do in the meantime, it's frightening. It really is frightening.
0: We asked the detective for more information regarding this subject. And this is what she had to say. So in addition, filing charges is different than creating a police report. Can you explain to our listeners what the difference is and why it is so important to create documentation with a police report at a minimum?
4: Yes. So um, filing charges means you have called the police or you've gone into the police department and you have reported, you know, a domestic violence situation or um, a crime has occurred. And that means the police have written this report and they have sent the report off to the district attorney's office. And the district attorney, um, has looked at the case and said, okay, there's enough to file charges against this person. So there's that, or somebody can call and say, I want to report something, but I don't want to proceed with charges at this point. So in our state, It's a little bit different. And I don't think most states are like this. Um, Even if somebody says they don't want to follow through with charges, the state can still proceed. And I've actually gone to a trial where the victim did not show up.
0: Washington also does that.
4: Yes. Mm -hmm. And the guy was convicted with no victim there. Okay. So, so, I mean, our state is pretty progressive in that but some states you i I would imagine you can still call and say i just want this documented and you can do that here too um but if it's um if you're talking about a serious crime then it's going to be investigated unless somebody just calls anonymously and says this is occurring but if if they're anonymous it's really difficult for us to be able to help them i mean we can give them resources over the phone that may help but um it's a little. It's a little more difficult for us to actually help if they're unwilling to be cooperative. So, do you,
0: do you feel like that paper trail is really going to help them later on to build a case if, if they are in a you know a continuous abusive situation where they are trying to, I guess, prove that they are the victim? Is
4: this going to be an important yes. thing? Absolutely. Okay. Um, if if this is something that you know something obviously motivated them enough to call the police like they knew something wasn't right so even if they're not quite ready to leave the situation or they're just wanting some type of documentation that says okay this this happened and i want to make sure you know it doesn't happen again or if, if it does i mean this is where we start that is that's the best thing that you can do if you're in this type of situation is to at least get something documented um and that way we have somewhere to start with and then that way you know if it does go to trial and even if the victim doesn't want to be cooperative we say hey look there's been x amount of calls to this same address regarding this same person so clearly there's a pattern that we're seeing here
3: my attorney's supposed to call me tomorrow and let me know if they are going to be able to do anything in the meantime when it lapses and i pray to god they can because if not they're going to have to of my dosage of anxiety medicine because I will truly be sleeping with one eye open if I do sleep.
0: Okay, Sadie. So, lastly, I wanted to ask you what piece of advice would you give to someone who was trying to leave a relationship or wanted to leave a relationship with a person like Justin or Ben? I think that
3: it's not an it's not easy at all so i don't want I think the best thing someone can do is find an Athena and an amber and have someone that empowers you someone that's been there um that can help you and give you that strength and have a safe place to go to because honest to god if i had a safe place place that night i would have been there but i almost feel like it was a double-edged sword because if i would have been there if i would have gone there i also would not have called the police at the end of the day it's people that have been through what you've been through i know this situation will forever change me i know it broke my mom's heart that night to see those pictures because my mom never saw the picture of me from 10 years ago because she refused to look at it. My aunt and uncle saw it, and I remember that night my aunt and uncle wanted to post it all over Facebook and tag me in it so people saw what he did and I begged them not to because it was going to hurt me and embarrass me more than anything else. And people that haven't been in this position, that's what they don't understand. It's not easy just to go, it's not easy just to run, it's not easy to always get away. And you have to have that inner strength and really be done. And as dramatic as this might sound, I'm grateful he never killed me. Because there's truly a part in me that feels like he could have and would have killed me. And even being that I went through what I went through with my parents, I'm grateful too that I didn't waste another 12 years, 11 years. I believe my mom was 45, 46 when my dad killed himself. And I'm so glad that I got out and didn't waste more time like my mom did. And I understand as a mother now, you do, you wanna stay for your kids, trust me there's a happiness and such a peace to my life. I, it's amazing in four weeks, four weeks, how happy and peaceful your life could be that you did not know existed anymore. I forgot how happy and amazing my life was before him. I forgot who I was when they talk about miserable people, are mean, miserable people, people that are miserable on the inside are miserable to others. I was becoming that person. But once everything was said and done with all of this, I thought back to the 4th of July weekend when I was remodeling my kid's bathroom and sitting in the bathroom praying, praying and crying out loud for God to help me with this situation and to close this chapter out. And did I think it would end in such a dramatic fashion and ugly? No, but you know what? God ended it and I got my power back and everything worked out. As much of an asshole as Justin is, he doesn't realize he made it so much easier on me because I ended up not having to uproot my kids. I got to keep our house. I got to keep him away. I got to pack his stuff. I didn't have to worry about him coming in to pack stuff and being dramatic with ruining anything and, you know, being violent or doing anything else. And I know in the end, his true colors will show when it comes to our son. So if there's any woman out there that is staying because of your children, do not do it. If you feel like you are done, you have to leave. My life is only going to get better from here. And ironically, on my Facebook today, it came up. Today has been 13 years to the day that I moved to Texas. Tears welling up in my eyes because it's like 13 years to the day. And look at it, 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 made, it, it was, it makes me so happy. It makes me so happy. And it's like the sky's the limit now.
0: We asked Sadie's mom the same question, and this is what she had to say. What advice do you have for our listeners who are currently in a relationship with someone like Paul or Justin?
2: I would tell them that they're not gonna change to find the strength within themselves because they are worth it to leave. I would tell them that they're worth it and that that they deserve better to get help they, they can't fix them quit repeating the pattern because no matter what you say they're gonna still keep treating you that way because you showed them it's okay whether it's okay or not and whether you felt okay in your heart you showed them so you need to run you need to go you need to find the people in your life that will help you that won't judge you for yourself for yourself first because that makes you be better for those around you for your children it's hard. It's not easy. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. And to protect yourself, get, get whatever in place you need to keep yourself safe. Because if they don't like that extremeness, it's because they're extreme. And all this is a consequence of their behavior. And that's what I told Sadie, that Justin doesn't like this. It's like, well, he's crossing the line and doesn't know boundaries. So if he would have conducted himself different. Maybe it wouldn't have to be as extreme, but people like that are in abusive relationships, they are extreme. So you have to be extreme and to love yourself and not believe all the things that they tell you about yourself. Cause any good thing they say, you don't take to heart. You remember all the bad they say and love yourself.
1: Well, and you're a perfect example of the light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. You're 15 <laughs> years removed. I mean, I don't yeah. know. It's crazy to look back on what you went through and be like, wow, did I really do that? Like, yeah, ugh, crazy. It's- but I never could have envisioned where I'm at now five years ago. You know, I don't think any of us can comprehend because when you're going through it, it's, it's awful. But then one day you wake up and you're like, I think I'm over that hump. <laughs> and, uh, I think yeah. I'm actually feeling like myself again. Cause yes. Sadie has mentioned that she's like, I feel like happy. I feel like my old self and not yeah. mean and bitter and jealous and right. all those things that consume you when you're with someone like that. Yeah. Cause she wasn't ever like that. And when,
2: one of the last times I was there, I'm like, I would listen because he was always like critical of people and things. And that's, you know, the insecurity speaking, but then pretty soon she just became kind of a shit talker too. And it's like, Who are, what is that? Amber. (laughs) Amber. Just kidding.
1: (laughs) Amber. She was such a little biatch. Like, I was at my lowest of the low. Anything I could spew out that was like the meanest thing and it didn't make me feel better. But at the time, I thought it would make me feel better. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. It does not make you feel like to stoop as low as possible to get on their level. I know.
0: And you now, night and day. And I remember you saying, my family were even saying to me, Amber, like, yeah. you you never used to be like this. Uh-huh. Who are you?
1: And now oh, they've, yeah. got, they've got you back. I was never a a tiger, ever. My sister was a a tiger. I was like the meek, little, you know, quiet, let people walk all over me person. Mm-hmm. And then Brandon yeah. made me come out of my shell <laughs> to the... Empty, you know level I was like a cat in the corner you know just clawing at anything and everything well yeah
2: Yeah. and you Uh, become defensive even when you don't need to be to the people around you because you're (sighs) so used to hearing all this stuff over here so you're always on guard and you lash out defensively to
1: those that don't deserve it I just want everyone to know it's doesn't matter if you're with them two months two years 10 years 20 years like don't be defeated because, oh my gosh, you know, I've been together for 15 years. Why bother leaving now? It's never too late.
0: I want us all to keep in contact with each other. Yes. I know Amber and I and
3: my lifesaver. Probably,
0: sense. yeah, probably our listeners all are going to want an update. We want you to reach out to us to keep in contact with us. Let us continue to be your, your inner strength in your weak moments. If those happen, because everyone has them. And it's it's not going to be bliss moving forward right now starting today it's going to be a little bumpy until you really set boundaries and kind of get organized with everything and so if you ever need either Amber or myself just know you have our phone numbers you can call us you can text us whatever. we're here you are
2: the
3: baddest bitches and I am forever grateful <laughs> that I'm awake late at night and saw <laughs> TikTok <laughs> and I was going to say this let me add this. Um, The DA's office did reach out to me last Friday to let me know that they did receive his case. And I made it very clear to them that I will not accept probation as a punishment for him. Um, I don't want probation and I will feel like justice has not been done here and that I want him to get something far more severe. You know what, karma is going to work all this out for you and your punishment and everything that comes along with it will work all of this out. All I've been saying is I can't wait to see where I'm at. I can't wait for the future and what's to come. I just feel like it's so bright. The other thing I want people to remember is there's just a loneliness sometimes when you're by yourself. And I've learned what to do in those times. I run a hot bath with some Epsom salt and pour a glass of wine and put on whatever music I see fit at that time. And I lay in the bath and it's like, the most relaxing thing and it gets me centered again and before long it's like, okay, I'm feeling like myself but it's like you have to find these other things because there are moments of loneliness and I hope the same way I used suicide to help others and it helped me through my grieving process. I hope there's anybody I can help through this because I would never ever want anybody to go through any of this and Verbal abuse, gaslighting, all of that shit is just as bad as the physical stuff. I mean, there's so many times he had me thinking that I was a worthless piece of shit. And I knew better. I knew better. But they get in your head so bad. And you begin to think you're the person that created everything and that you're wrong. But remember, stand firm in who you are and that inner strength and find somebody that's been there and somebody that's not judgmental and somebody that will hold your hand along the way. Because I've told you guys that and I can't thank you two enough that night for being my strength. Because if it wasn't for the two of you, I don't think that I probably would have called the police. I would have ended up at my friend's in a safe place for the night. And the next day I would have ended up home where he was. And who knows what he would have done but you two you two saved me that night. And I will be forever grateful for you, too.
1: Stop it. Stop. You're, You're making, making me, me cry. cry. <laughs> I've cried so many times. I'm like editing the pod. I'm like, oh, here goes Amber. She's crying no. again. Oh, we just love you to pieces. We do. Mixed tiles.
3: I have a family, one of me and him. And they're the last two things of him I have, and I didn't want to take them down, until I had new ones of my kids and I. And they told me that they are shipped today. I'm like, those fuckers, yeah. they're going in the fire pit as soon as my new ones arrive.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, can you Facetime us for that? Just yes.
1: <laughs> burn, bitches, burn. I love it. And we still are going to do our Vegas trip with all of yes. our survivors. Hell yes, I love that.
0: <laughs> and speaking of Vegas, well, that just might be a huge hint. About next season's story. Until then. Hey X fans, if you haven't quite got your full fix of X-Wives Thundercover or the X Files, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and join our Facebook group. Make sure to also follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave us a five-star review.